Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Town Manager Download, a podcast about local government and the town of Shrewsbury. I'm Kevin Mizikar, Town Manager of the town of Shrewsbury, and as always, I'm joined by the Communications Coordinator, Taylor Galusha. In today's episode, we are going to be joined by Mark Sarah, the Executive Director of Shrewsbury Media Connection, to talk about SMC and the importance of public access television groups and other groups like SMC existing in communities across the Commonwealth and the country. What's going on, Taylor? It's another Monday. Woke up with no power. My <laughs> car's leaking rain again. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Just a beautiful day in the neighborhood. That's but, a Monday. Yeah. yeah. That's all right. We'll get through it. Good weekend? Yep. I went, um, visited my family, saw oh. all my home friends, which is nice. Some of us went and got our nails done. Some of us went and got really good pizza because Connecticut's known for really good pizza. Good. So I've got to always do that when I'm home. So, yeah, can't That's complain. Awesome. Happy to Good spend stuff. time with everyone during during the season. So, the season. The season. Good. Speaking of the season, I went to watch my girls perform the Nutcracker. Their dance company did this weekend, which was good. Sold That's out awesome. show on Saturday night, which Saturday afternoon I guess was a lot of fun. Hit up a new restaurant afterwards, a Mexican restaurant called Condesa. It was awesome. So. Awesome. Good weekend. Yeah. Although went really quick. Holidays are right around the corner. I was gonna say we're already like halfway through December, That's which right. is insane. Because I feel like it was October like two days ago. I feel the same way. Like, I don't think November even happened, yeah. but here we are, and I'm running out of time. <laughs> yep. The countdown is on. Oh, my sister's coming home. Oh, good. From Ireland for she just left holidays. Yeah, she'll be going back after, but. We're all really Just excited kidding. to have her come home awesome. and see her and learn about whatever she's been up to over there. Awesome. That's great so, news. Good news all around. So what's up in the shrew? we got a few things going on. Some opportunities for people to get more involved with the personnel board and the 300th anniversary committee or both have vacancies that um people can apply for if they're right. interested from our website on yeah, the board committee different. vacancy pages yeah two different opportunities huh yeah two <laughs> very different yeah so the 300th anniversary committee has um nine open seats to like kind of kick off the committee and get, mm -hmm. get it rolling um and then the personnel board has one vacancy and um the third thing that's really great volunteer program is the yahoo program mm -hmm. i believe it's the young adults helping out others program that's going to be run through the council on aging mm -hmm. um, and they're just having two informational sessions on the program um, in january on the 16th and the 20th um, so people can find more information about that great. if you're a young adult in the community and wants to get more involved um, it's all on the town website so that's great. Good, I, good time to get involved. A little behind the scenes on the 300th anniversary committee. Yes. The 300th anniversary of the town is 2027, and uh, there's nine seats that are, are available, as Taylor mentioned. But um, we do expect a very high level of interest because it's probably one of the most fun committees that we've set up, at least in the recent past. Mm -hmm. And I know the concept behind the operation of the committee would be to name those nine members, but then expect a lot more volunteers to really help, to help yeah, do a lot of work that's gonna be needed over the 
the short time period and, until we get to the 300th. Mm -hmm. A lot of cities and towns will be interested to see how this committee leads us, but a lot of cities and towns have not held a single event. They've done like a year long celebration or a couple months. So it's interesting that our 296th will be just the end of this week on December mm -hmm. 15th. I was gonna say this is like so, our Shrewsbury birthday episode. It is, yeah. We brought hats. So no hats, we should've. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I guess the moral of the story is if you don't get selected to be on the formal committee, there'll be plenty of opportunities for people to help and, help and contribute, so. Yeah, that's great. Village. So I feel like we have a maybe a little bit of a more uh, in-depth or longer episode today to talk about Shrewsbury Media Connection. It's a couple of firsts for the town manager download. This will be our first non-official town employee that, that joins uh, us today. So we're going to have Mark Sarah, the executive director of Shrewsbury Media Connection. Um, we'll just provide a little bit of overview on the connection between the town and Shrewsbury Media Connection because it's uh, an in incredible value and asset that's provided to the community. And then we'll bring Mark on to dive into some of the more contextual details uh, associated with, with running a program uh, like SMC. So um, first of all, the town manager download wouldn't exist without Shrewsbury Media Connection. So we, we, we always have to thank Mark and Liz and the entire team that really help us uh, be able to get our media content both recorded and sent out to the world. Uh, it means a lot to us to be able to do this. And, you know, really that's, that's the target of Shrewsbury Media Connection. It is to support access to local government and community-related uh, activities and media content. And the model has been in place, you know, since the establishment of cable franchises mm -hmm. across uh, New England and across across the country. So um, they are a group that's solely dedicated to, you know, both developing, supporting and distributing media content uh, for the betterment, transparency and access for all residents of Shrewsbury and any interested parties. And, that's one of the things I'm excited to talk to Mark about. It's really the evolution, right? Yeah. You know, cable was created within the not so distant path and we're already fast forwarding and seemingly getting beyond it. But SMC, SMC still has this huge role to play and I'm interested to think about the future and talk to him about the future. Um, yeah, so from the evolution that has led us here today and incorporating a podcast into what it is that they do to support the community mm -hmm. to, you know, what it looked like in the beginning. And, and we know Mark wasn't here then, but, you know, it, it's such a strong legacy part of our community that I look forward to talking to him about it. So some nuts and bolts. Yeah, where do we want to start? <laughs> I think it's so much. I've, yeah, where do we want to start? Yeah, so I mean, I think some nuts and bolts. Um, so under the Massachusetts general laws and um, the federal laws associated mm -hmm. with cable and communications, that um, local communities actually have to provide license agreements for anyone to have a cable operation within them. So in Shrewsbury, that's the select board. They're the franchise issuing entity yep. and they uh, currently provide that license to Selco. Uh, I think we may have even talked about it last year that um, we signed a five-year franchise agreement with Selco last March. So um, Selco has been the only cable provider in the community and it's a 
you know, a part of the town itself. Yep. Um, but any license that we issue, uh, both in Shrewsbury or across the Commonwealth and across the country, are all non-exclusive cable licenses, meaning that another provider could come in and provide those same services. And of course, many folks know what that looks like when it's a cable-based operation. They may see, um, you know, two large providers like a, you know, a Xfinity and a Verizon both operating within the same community. So there's no exclusivity and there's no exclusivity just because we have Selco uh, either. So again, this is the cable service provision that ultimately provides the funding and gets us to a point where um, entities like Shrewsbury Media Connection operate. So um, with that ability to operate within the community, um, we set out in that agreement a certain cable franchise licensing fee that's actually passed along to all subscribers that, that bring mm -hmm. in the, the revenue associated with that. And that's that real direct connection that um, provides funding for what is done not only in this studio, but out in the community and uh, recording and transmitting public meeting meetings and community events and the whole gamut of the things that folks get to see through the good work of SMC. Um, part of what a cable franchise operator is also obligated to do beyond that fee is actually provide three channels that are dedicated to transmit the materials that are generated by whoever is the um, provider within the community. So the cable operator, in our case, Selco, makes available three channels, one that's dedicated for general public content development, one that's generated uh, for government programming, and you think of your select board meeting and finance committee meetings, those happen through that channel, and then educational purposes through the public school systems. It gives them the opportunity to create content, provide educational opportunities, um, you know, host their meetings and, and um, use that means. So those three channels, um, are how the, the content is shared. It's set aside by the cable operator, but the content and, and the creative work uh, is supported through um, operators like Shrewsbury Media Connection. They're known as PEG access providers or uh, public education government access providers. Uh, in in um, SMC's case, they're a private nonprofit entity, formerly were actually a part of Selco, but um, their sole pur purpose is to provide these services. They operate the cable studio, they own all the equipment, and um, they you know, operate this as a business within the community and, and provide great value to us. So when we receive that cable franchise fee from the cable provider, comes into the town and then is passed along in whole to uh, Shrewsbury Media Connection for all the expenses that are associated with, with their program. So it's an enterprise fund for those who are following along when we talked about finances. So those fees can't be used for anything else except for the operation of um, the PEG access provider. And it, it really provides an incredible value and asset to the community for us to have all of our public meetings distributed and available. And it's really, in my opinion, the work of democracy, right? We're able to get information out and be very transparent 
because of the hard, dedicated work of, of SMC and all the employees that work here. So they, of course, record all those meetings and, and share those meetings with the public, select board, finance committee, school committee, annual special town meetings, so many other boards and committees, Council on Aging, Selco themselves. So um, not only do I get to be here in the studio, I'm, I'm also uh, someone that subscribes and watches yeah. most everything on uh, their YouTube. Um, so um, it's an incredible asset to residents and, and so many others. So, And they really go kind of above and beyond with it as well with like, not only do they have the access through like the TVs that people have at their house that have cable, but they have their website, shrewsburymediaconnection.org, that you can just live stream the meetings, which is what I do since mm -hmm. I do not live in town mm -hmm. um, from anywhere. They live stream them to Facebook. Like you said, they put them on their YouTube channel after. They have the uh, website art video archive like on that web page that you can live stream them on. Mm -hmm. um, they. I feel like we both work, or you know one side of the like SMC coin better than I do, like mm -hmm. the more cable franchise side. Mm -hmm. um, with my work as a communications coordinator, I've gotten the chance to get to know like Mark and Liz very well, just being great creative partners when I need to reach out to Mark for things. Um, and like like you said, they produced town manager download, but also various informational videos. Like we did one with them for the strategic plan, the climate action plan. Um, I'll just send Mark emails and be like, hey, can you take these graphics and help me kind of bring this video idea to life? So I've always appreciated his like partnership on that end of things. He's been a good mentor for me. So I feel lucky that we get to have him on a show. Found out before it's his first time being on an SMC show, first but he's not the behind the, the camera. camera. Yeah. yeah so. Who knew? I, had bring, no I idea. didn't know idea. I feel yeah. special though. So yeah. gets to bring to life a lot of great community content um, and stuff. So lucky to have that great team. Yeah, there has been a variety of community uh, related content that um, I'm sure Mark has some interesting stories to share um, <laughs> about the things that he's seen produced here and, and around the community. I know there was a time when maybe that you still can get access to the equipment and take it other places to be able to, to see what's going on. So, um, yeah, I certainly, my core connections to it is, you know, being in this studio and being able to answer folks' questions and be more transparent through the download and, and other means um, and joining other people's show. And I think we have a rather vibrant studio and that's because there's an inviting environment that you find here in, in, in working with SMC and, um, you're always supported. So yeah. I completely echo what you're saying and that they're a great communications partner to the town and, and sharing the information about what it is that we do on a day-to-day -day basis and the programs that we're offering. So I guess without further ado, we will welcome to the set for the, for the first, first time, time <laughs> Mark Sarah, the executive director of Shrewsbury Media Connection. Cue the applause. <laughs> So welcome to the set formally, to the town manager download, Thank Mark. you, glad to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. So uh, our first non-town employee guest. Um, so we're, we're really lucky to have you and thanks for, for participating. Well, excited so, to be here. 
as you've seen through the glass in, in this room, <laughs> there's a certain format that we'll go through. And we just wanted to learn a little bit more about you. How sure. did you end up in your current position as the executive director of Shrewsbury Media Connection? And um, we'll take it from there. Well, so my affiliation with SMC goes back to when it was known as SPAC. And um, so I showed up in the fall of 1995. Is that before you were born? <laughs> okay, so um, I often joke that I've been here too long, but the truth is there's no place else I'd rather be. Mm. So that started in 95, um, senior from Fitchburg State College. And in your senior year, you have to do a full-time internship before you can graduate. And, you know, it's a rush to get your demo reel together and your portfolio. And everyone wants the best spots in L.A. and New York and all that stuff. And um, I had a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. And so going out of state for a semester wasn't an option. And even the idea of going to Boston, it was like, I didn't have reliable transportation. And because it's an unpaid internship, I'm like, I can't afford to travel back and forth. So I went to my mentor at the college, who was this amazing man, Bob Wilson. Um, and I worked for Bob the whole time I was there. So he wasn't a professor. He ran what was called image systems. And we were responsible for all the equipment of the whole college. And, um, you know, AV equipment, check-in, check-out, repair, and stuff like that. So I really trusted Bob and I went to him and I said, you know, I, I got to find an internship that's like hyper local to Central Mass. And he was this big dude from Nebraska, talk like a cowboy. And and he said, you got to go to SPAC. And I was like, what, like SPAGS? And he was like, no, not SPAGS. And he's like, well, it's actually up the street from SPAGS. And uh, he said, yeah, it's, it's SPAC. And um, <clears throat> so... I looked into it a little bit and at that time, you know, in my mind, it was like, you know, you think of like Wayne's world as being public access. And mm -hmm. um, so I'll admit day one, I wasn't super stoked, but I, you know, I came here, it was really my only option at that point, but just within a matter of days of being here, um, fell in love with the staff, fell in love with the people who were coming in, fell in love with the mission of what public access is, but, and more importantly though, like fell in love with the community. So, you know, and I'm, I feel fortunate to have been here during those years or that year because, you know, I got to meet Mr. Carney, mm -hmm. Don Gray, Ed Holland, all these, you know, mm -hmm. legends. Um, so then when the internship was over, there was no position here, which I was really sad about. Um, so I ended up taking a position in Grafton at their TV studio and ran Grafton for two years from that was like June of 96, I guess, till to 98. But when I left here, you know, they had told me if there's ever a position, we'll definitely call you. And later on in 96, I did receive a call that they were opening up the second channel, which was the educational channel. And there was going to be an opportunity for a director of that channel. And was I interested? And of course I was. We went through this whole conversation and I was getting really excited. And at the end of the conversation, the, the manager here, his name was Stan then, um, Stan says, well, just so you know, it's not a full-time position and it doesn't have benefits. <laughs> so I was crushed because um, I really wanted to be here. But at that time in Grafton, there was a part-timer who would float around and go to different studios. You know, and if I was out sick, she would fill in. And that was Elizabeth uh, Poplowski, who back then was Desjardins. <laughs> and so I called Stan and mentioned Liz to him and then mentioned the position to Liz and encouraged her to apply. And she applied. Of course, they loved her. So she got hired in 96. Um, and I was very envious of her, but I was having fun in Grafton. That was an experience all on its own. Um, someday I may have to write a book about what those two years in Grafton were like, because you wouldn't believe it. Like it, 
It'd make I think a great I know movie. some of those characters, so I kind of do. You probably do. They, <laughs> the ones you're probably speaking of, came in under me. Uh-huh. Um, it, I, I don't want to get into the craft and stuff, but it was it was a hoot. Um, so, anyways, 1998 rolls around. Get another phone call that Stan, the director, had left. Bill Nay, who was the access coordinator, had moved up to manager, and Bill's position was open. So, in September of '98, um, was hired here in that full-time position and was in that position until 2015. Bill Nay left. Um, Michael Hale offered me that position, mm-hmm. um, which is, I, I went back and I was looking and I was like, what actually transpired during that time? Um, so on the day that I was asked if I was interested in that position, I was also told what the future looked like. Mm-hmm. And um, did I still want the position. And that, of course, was transitioning. Yes. He told me that of... there would be a transitioning happening and would I still be interested. And um, I really was. I wanted to see it through. I really still do love this place. So it, to me, it was a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2015, I became the general manager. And then I'm, I know we're going to talk about it later. But then in 20, 2020, became the executive director. Interesting. And then the world shut down. And then the world shut down. Yeah, that was unfortunate. I mean, we opened, like I said, we'll talk about it a little bit later, I guess. But, you know, we opened the door January 2nd as a new nonprofit entity, very excited to hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. And then March 13th, I think it was, closed the door for, you know, four or five months. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that was very unfortunate for everyone. But for us, I feel like the timing was even more. Yeah, more unfortunate. Your history really like intertwines with the development of SMC from SPAC to SMC, it sounds like. Do you have a good recollection of the years since you've been here before you till now? Even before me. I mean, I know that 1983 is when things really started off. Mm-hmm. And this whole idea of, you know, Selco started. I think Selco started their cable franchise around the 1980. Yeah. But by the yeah. time everything was built out and everything, you know, it took yeah. years. So in 1983, yes. Uh, group of residents came forward and were interested in starting the public access channel. And when it started, it was intended to be a nonprofit. But what had happened was that um, because it was this upstart organization and there was actually a lot of money on the table, Selco didn't feel comfortable handing money over to this new entity. And I think, you know, at the time, Mm -hmm. not that they didn't trust it, but I think they didn't know if it was going to last, you know, and it was new, right. So they came up with an agreement in which Selco would hold on to the money. They would operate as a nonprofit and basically submit invoices to Selco to get paid. Well, the IRS didn't like that. And they looked at it and said, if you're not in charge of your own finances, you're not an independent organization. And after much back and forth, um, Hmm. Selco decided that they would give them another opportunity and said, you know, we'll still hold on to the money. We'll give you less. I think it would end up with like two and a half percent, but we'll give you two full-time employees mm-hmm. um, and two and a half percent that you can use for capital. And that's how the department became a department of Selco at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the channels themselves kicked off like 1987, I think was the first, was the t- by the time this, you know, they had bought equipment, the technology was in place. Um, so somewhere we have a video of special town meeting in, I want to say it's like February of 87. Really? But that That's we believe scary. that was the first live broadcast. Not necessarily okay. the first broadcast, but the first live broadcast. Okay. Um, that's pretty interesting. You see a very young Kevin Byrne up at the <laughs> podium. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. 
So, uh, Mark, so public education, government access programming is, is really, I think, seen today as it's like almost a given, right? I mean, I think people have become very accustomed to having this opportunity. You're really providing access to information that many people will, for a variety of reasons, whether it's convenience or um, being differently abled or, or whatever it is, wouldn't otherwise have access to. And that's really the, the, the heart of democracy for me, getting to see government in action and holding them accountable. Um, so, um, but nothing stands still in time. Right. Mm -hmm. And and SMC certainly hasn't. So, you know, you talked about how things started and uh, built from the 80s. But I want to fast forward to kind of this digital transformation of, let's just say, the last 10 years, if I can characterize it okay. and and talk about those changes that you've made of going from this, you know, legacy cable system and thought of of beaming into everyone's home through these physical means to where we are today with the internet and digital content and all those things and kind of keeping up so sure um any general thoughts on that or we can yeah so specifically let me take a small step back then okay. so like i said public access very late 80s maybe 87 um, the educational channel came on board in 1996 okay and so at that time we had two channels we were doing some government coverage Selectman's meeting, believe it or not, I think um, Lake Quinsigamon Commission was one of the first government meetings that was actually broadcast um, in which they got thrown out. It ended up. <laughs> oh, so this. <laughs> yeah, the police had so to come. The government access uh, channel is the newest. Yeah, so that, that's what I wanted to lead into. That came on board as a full time channel in 2000. Okay. So before that, we were, you know, doing very few. Like I say, I know we were doing Selectman's meetings, occasional finance committee. Um, Lake Quinsigamon. Scandalous Lake Quinsigamon. Um, yeah, so the Lake Quinsigamon, there's some great articles that I have from the old T&G that, um, you know, the police chief threw them out of the meeting because Lori Hogan, mm -hmm. who went on to become a selectman, showed up with a camera mm -hmm. and started filming this meeting and they... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've heard that in other towns too. I mean, government access always seemed to be the one that, I want to say, upset people the most. Like everyone embraced public access, educational access was fine, but government... Um, a lot of governments were resistant, mm -hmm. you know, and um, well, I guess my comments were very naive at the beginning because yeah. it's been a part of my career and every place that I've ever yeah. worked and just, you know, whether that was doing my internship in the city of Morgantown, West Virginia or in New Jersey, like it's omnipresent. And, you know, I think that when you're in the local government sector that you are going to be on TV in these very public settings conducting your formal business and we, it's interesting. we took a lot of flack when starting the government channel um, from various forces in town who didn't necessarily support it mm -hmm. um, but eventually they relinquished we got the channel and then the biggest change I guess for us would have been 2012 we started looking at to going high definition and my predecessor Bill and you know the rest of the staff we we knew for a fact it was like if you're gonna transition to high definition to your customers like we need to be on that tier because remember how it used right. to be you had well you still have separate tiers mm -hmm. once you went to the hd channels you were never going back right. and we said you know it's going to turn us into a dinosaur like we need to be high definition and of course there was a cost associated with that and selco wasn't necessarily against it but what they did was they told us they would give us a certain amount of bandwidth and um i'm not even sure exactly what it means but i think it was 38 qualm is is how it was worded 
And at that time, you could only broadcast two channels on that. Mm. So we were really trying to figure out which two channels do we put in HD, which one do we sacrifice? And then we found this vendor called Telview who was willing to work with us and they were brand new and they took it as a challenge and said, we think we can create a machine that will give you three channels on that 38 qualm. And they moved forward with that. Um, so we started testing it out in 2012 and in 2013, we flipped the switch to HD and never looked back. And I, I laugh with the Telview thing because a few months ago, that server that we bought in 2012 actually started going bad and we had to replace it. And when their tech group opened it up, they called and they said, do you realize that you have server number one? Really? And we said, yes, like we knew that, but their staff <laughs> was so new that they yeah. didn't know that we were the first, like they literally developed this product around us. Wow. And now they're one of the leaders in, in that sector. Um, but I, you know, Hmm. We like to remind them, yes, thanks to us. Yeah. Um, so what I find fascinating when you talk about these other towns across the country, and by the way, like the whole idea of peg access is really strong in the Northeast, but has really died out across the country. Um, you know, they changed laws as to how they handle franchise fees yeah. and, and things like that. So it's really dwindling, especially the Midwest. So there's some hot pockets on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. Midwest is really kind of like a, a peg desert now. Interesting. And then when you get into the Northeast and especially Massachusetts, like we are the leaders, Massachusetts, in this area. Mm -hmm. It's still very strong. Um, nobody's closed the doors yet. Things have certainly changed, but mm -hmm. um, the state hasn't changed the financing and the, you know, the franchise mm -hmm. fee. So we're still here and still strong. Um, but that's not the case across the country. Mm. Interesting. So uh, diving into that continued transformation. So you talk about high def, and but then... We're really talking about, which is interesting to your comments about funding and the door still be opening, we're evolving into an internet-based service and internet service providers and cable operators in most cases are one and the same, mm -hmm. but but the, the internet service provision does not fall under the rules of cable operations. Correct. There's this whole FCC Title II uh, discussion that's going on out there about whether you know it's an information source or communications means yep. um, but basically from a financial perspective SMC is not funded in any way by the internet fee it's it's a hundred percent that video product that is through the through the cable system so let's let's stay with the technology for now but SMC has evolved beyond Selco and yes. in your three peg access channel. So where else are you and how do you make that work? Well, so what we saw was that, and I don't know the reason why, but Shrewsbury, if you look at the state, puts out a, a PowerPoint at the end of every year and talks about, you know, how many cable customers are in each town and the number change and everything. Shrewsbury is losing cable customers at the fastest rate in the state. Don't know why that is, but, um, you know, we're down well over 50% now of cable customers. So we knew that more than half of our audience couldn't see us anymore. And to us, it was important to still get that message out there. And I feel, especially on the government side, it was like, you know, just because you don't have cable, you should still, in my opinion, have access to a meeting. Um, and I know they can come to you and get minutes and all that stuff, but we felt it was still an important service um, to have. So you had to, at that point, transition to putting your content somewhere online. Um, so, you know, we do have some stuff on our website. We have definitely live streaming on the website, but being able to host all the content on our website 
um, is cost prohibitive. So we transitioned to YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so since 2018, every piece of content we create gets put on YouTube. Um, before that, you know, we have some scattered stuff, but we really made that decision in 2018. We mm -hmm. saw that, you know, when you looked at the numbers, it was just obvious that people couldn't see us on cable because there was mm -hmm. only, you know, a few thousand cable customers. Um, so being able to live stream, that's when we started looking into getting an app, um, which that didn't come about until about 2020. But now, you know, we do have an app that you can download for mobile devices, mm -hmm. Roku, Apple TV, Fire TV. Um, and in a way, it's, <laughs> it's, I watch so much of our government stuff from home now. It's kind of an addiction. Um, I think my wife is sick of it, although she loves the planning board. If planning board's on, she'll sit and watch. Um, school committee, she's like, no, we don't have kids. I, I just can't. Um, but, you know, I don't live in town. And f for years, it was impossible to see something, even if there was an issue. You know, you'd have to wait for a resident to contact you or Selco and say, oh, there's an issue with your channel. Now we can jump right on mm -hmm. and look on the various apps. And so we have analytics. Like, we cannot see how many cable customers are watching us. Yeah. But we can look online, and you know we don't see exactly who. You just see numbers and mm -hmm. regions of where they're coming from, and um, you know we estimate that like seventy-five percent of all of our viewership is online now. Mm -hmm. They're live streaming. They're watching on YouTube. Um, we approach a hundred thousand streams each year on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it is. But you know it does beg this question of well, if you're not paying for it, should you still be able to see it? Mm -hmm. So for right now, our feeling. SMC is yes, you should. Mm -hmm. There are other towns though that are starting to put stuff behind firewalls. Yeah, so Foxborough's, I think it's Foxborough, maybe Attleboro, starting to put it behind a firewall mm -hmm. um, and charging for it. Mm -hmm. And we hope that we don't have to go down that road, mm -hmm. um, but it is something in the future that may have to be. And if I could, talking about high definition, we're still unique in that sense. Like mm -hmm. we were actually the first east of the Mississippi River. There was one other entity somewhere in Texas that was doing high definition, like right around the time we were, 2011 or 12, but nobody east of the Mississippi. Wow. Yeah, I don't, right. You think big cities, Manhattan, mm -hmm. Manhattan, you know, and, and Bro uh, Brooklyn, New York, mm -hmm. like their access centers are huge. Mm -hmm. Nope, not high definition. Uh, the cable providers have always pushed back against that because it's bandwidth. You know, they don't want to give away bandwidth sure. to public access. Um, so that made us very unique. We still might be, I'd have to look, but we still might be the only PEG provider in the country that has three HD channels. So even as you start to approach Boston, um, you know, Comcast, Verizon, RCN, they were offering like one, maybe two channels in a franchise agreement. But it's like, we've had three since 2013, running 24 seven. Um, so we're very proud of that. Hmm. And it should be. Yeah. I didn't realize that. It's very interesting. Well, that's why I like to bring it up because, yep. you know, there was, it, it took all parties. It, mm -hmm. Selco had to, you know, finally give in, and they did, and now they helped us, and, and they're huge. I mean, our technology is still here in the same building as theirs. We share the same head end. Mm -hmm. um, so if, if, I, if I do have an issue that's, you know, beyond me, mm -hmm. I can reach out to their techs. And um, so it's, it's been a great partnership. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that's something to, to underscore, and, and I'm learning a lot more, actually, just as we're talking here, Mark, of, of, of the benefits of, of having those services provided under the same roof you know as an entity of the town through selco and and i've been in other communities where you know that was with a third party for-profit provider mm -hmm. and it wasn't that same type of relationship it was roll up your sleeves negotiations to get an agreement in place and 
while you always struck an agreement, it, it wasn't necessarily always the most forward thinking in the public interest, but I think that's what's been able to be provided here uh, with the, the partnership of SMC and, and Selco uh, and what, being the capable. You know, and, and again, the whole idea of being unique, I mean, now Selco is moving, as you know, to Selco Stream. Mm -hmm. So it's no longer a traditional cable service. You, you get a streaming device. Well, we're on that. We're in that lineup. Yeah. You can still find us. Other providers across the country, specifically speaking of Spectrum, because they're local, um, they still pay a franchise fee. So now if you're a new customer of theirs, you can't get a cable box, you get a new streaming device. So even they're moving to the streaming, mm -hmm. um, but they don't include peg access in any of their towns. So you know once they come in and, and switch you over to stream, you're, you're gone. Like those customers never see you again. But what I find interesting is that they still pay a franchise fee. So they'll still pay, you know, whatever the percentage is for each customer that takes their streaming product, mm -hmm. but they have no interest in putting peg access on their streaming products. Um, so again, that what's, what makes us unique is that yes, we moved over to a streaming service. We're on there. You can still find us and we're proud of that. Yeah. You keep evolving and changing with, to keep up with the times. It's yep. super important. Cause like it is essential to like our mission and your mission is to like keep up that transparency and communi communicating information in new mm -hmm. and unique ways. Yeah. Um, whether it's podcasts that you watch on YouTube or on Spotify, right. but like people have access to it and all these different means, mm -hmm. whether it's live or. Right. Elsewhere. For the benefit of the residents. Yeah. Always. Um, so we talked about this a little bit, but as we talked about the pandemic and we talked about technology, but um, I will just say SMC was integral at the table, a partner uh, as we thought about how we are going to handle our obligations and remain transparent throughout the pandemic. Um, it's certainly, for, from a local government perspective, definitely in Massachusetts, has the pandemic and access uh, besides just peg access channels has led to legislative changes and open meeting law discussions. So what did you see during that time, Mark? And, and do you have any other thoughts on how the pandemic shaped your business? Sure, I mean, well, like I said, for us, the pandemic, unfortunately, you know, occurred three months into us launching as a nonprofit. So shutting the doors to the public side was, was very painful. Um, and I, that still bothers me because in a sense, we haven't really gone back like the, a lot of the people who were producing shows here, um, unfortunately, on the public side, you know, you found other venues. Yeah. Um, TikTok took off during that time, mm -hmm. as did Instagram. Um, so we kind of knew it was like, hey, we're closing the doors for you guys. You know, you can still submit programs. You can still email them to us if you want. And a few people did that, but some of them kind of just found their way. But the government side, I think we knew from day one that, like, you know, we had to work with you. It was still important for us to get the meetings out there, but your meetings were all on Google Meet now. How are mm -hmm. we going to do this? Mm -hmm. um, so we spent those first few days of the, the lockdown trying to figure out the technology that we would need mm -hmm. behind that. And for us, we came up with a fairly easy solution. Mm -hmm. um, and what you probably don't know is during those first three months, you know, every meeting that was broadcast was actually still done from here. Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, it was myself, but you would still have to come in here and be on site for every because there was no way of doing it from home yet okay um then you know as as things evolve technology there were these opportunities for these companies to 
create products that would make it easy for you to start doing yeah, like, like a bridge broadcast. The, okay. Bridge the issue. Over. Right, right. So, I mean, for us, I think it was June or July by the time we actually had something in place um, where I could take this little box home and plug it into my Mac laptop at home and okay. push a button and actually broadcast your selectman's meeting from my office at home. Wow. Um, and that little device, it's called the Live View. So not only did we use it for government, but that really changed how we started doing sports coverage. You know, we could never go on the road and be live from Dudley or Sturbridge with a football game. Well, once we bought this little device that at first was intended for government, we started like, well, now the world, you know, it opens up even more. And especially during the pandemic, because in the very beginning, you couldn't even go to the sporting events. Mm -hmm. It was just athletes only. And, you know, Jay Costa, the, the AD, um, let us start going into broadcast. And then they reached a point where it was like only parents could go and you had to have a pass to get in. Well, we knew it was like, well, you know, if three or 400 people show up to a football game normally and now you got only 40, mm -hmm. like these people still want to see it. Mm -hmm. So we started, you know, the pandemic caused us to start doing more live sports and going on the road with the teams. And mm -hmm. that's been an amazing uh, transformation. And uh, I do enjoy that. Hmm. Interesting. I remember SMC also provided it, well, or you, Mark, someone within the team, you know, gave us as silly as it is recommendations when you're going to be on camera here's where your light here's where a light should be here's yep. where your here's where your uh camera should be and here's how you should think about it and i remember setting up in uh the spare bedroom of my house thinking about those things okay i want to stand up where's my and it may have made its rounds through the state government because of the state officials that we had uh, uh on the select board at the time and you know become standard at the you know under that commissioner's yeah. regime <laughs> i thought that whole period of time like there was so many things that could have gone wrong mm -hmm. um and i have to give you guys credit too because on your end like for the most part it was flawless i mean when you look at other communities that have you know don't want to give any ideas away but you know what i mean there's, yeah. there's yeah, been yeah, some yeah. yeah some real issues with these you know uh virtual meetings and we didn't have any of that. The challenge yeah, we was just the had cuckoo mo clock. I was just gonna yeah, say yeah, most, most cuckoo, cuckoo clock. clock, right? Yeah, that was yeah. I still laugh about that. Uh, fond memories. Yeah. So I remember. Um, it was probably I probably had only been there for like two or three months. Like you and Liz came over to town hall, and it was right when they set up the hybrid setup in the in the select select room. Yeah. And I remember we were like running back and forth between the segments room and conference room. Oh, try, yeah, trying to, trying to test it and yeah. yeah, get it to work. But that's been like really um, great for us too, mm -hmm. like to be able to have, especially when we did shut down again mm -hmm. in the winter of 2021 going into 2022, um, to be able to have like the attorneys that needed to be there for like licensing stuff. They could just Google me in yeah. or if people got sick, like they could Google me in. We're able to keep up like kind of that hybrid setup in there. But I do laugh about that, just going back and forth, like my camera. I'm still kind of shocked at <laughs> communities that aren't back in person. Right. Uh, yep. There's a number of them. Yeah. Um, communities yep. and, and boards. Yep. They, yeah. I remember because we were nervous. I mean, I think it was school committee. The school committee was definitely the first meeting that came back during yep. the pandemic, and that was like August. I want to say very mm -hmm. early August, mm -hmm. or maybe the last week in July. Um, and you know, there's no lie. Like that first meeting, we were kind of like, mm -hmm. "Oh, I can't believe we're going back in person. Mm -hmm. This is a little scary." Yeah. Um, but you know, and but now to look, and I'm like, I can't believe there's still some yeah. some that are fully. And the first, actually, the first select board meeting back was a dog hearing. Was it? It was a dog oh. hearing. It was oh, my it. second that's meeting ever. Me. That's a doozy. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mark, kind of moving away from uh, the government um, 
components of uh, peg access and, and moving kind of the 180 degrees within that spectrum into mm -hmm. the community programming and community member shows. First, um, just like to hear your thoughts on the importance of people being able to do this, how folks can still do it, and then maybe we'll get into some of your highlights. Yeah. So, <laughs> again, going back to when I started in, in 98, um, I don't know what it was with that year, but like, you know, before me, they had always advertised, you know, we have free classes, free training, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people would show up. But that year, 98, the people that came through the door, most of them are still literally here producing shows, which blows my mind. So those those first couple of classes that I had back then, um, it's just awesome. Like, great people. They had a mission. They were, you know, dedicated to the cause and still doing it here to this day, which, I, again, that just it blows my mind. Um, you know, talk a little bit about, I don't know if you know Nick Tedesco or the name, but like, you know, so he started Coach's Corner. He started the sports coverage. And he's done well over 2,000 programs. So we're not talking hours. Like if we add up the hours, I mean, it's probably more like 6,000, but over 2,000 programs as a volunteer, mm -hmm. you know, and, and his sports team. I mean, we've been talking about them all year now because they did finally announce that they're going to retire, so to speak. Um, and it's kind of funny. It's like retire from a volunteer position. <laughs> um, we never gave them a dime. Like we didn't even give them gas money. You know, mm -hmm. they just, they wanted to go out there and they always felt like if they took a penny from anybody that they would then be holding and can't be themselves. And because, mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked about, should we go out and find sponsors? And they were like, nope, we're just going to, we're going to do it as volunteers and that's going to be our thing. Um, and so, you know, it, it takes a core dedication to wanting to be a volunteer or to have this idea for a program. And that's where public access, I think, has kind of shifted a little bit because now, you know, if you come to us and you want to create a program, yeah, we have all the equipment. We will free of charge. We will train you how to use our equipment. We'll teach you how to edit it. If you want to learn the control room so you could do a studio shoot like this, great, come in, you know. We'll work with you one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but then the issue for us had always been that, okay, you're finished with your program, you hand it in to us, and then it's like, okay, well, we'll put it on the air Tuesday night. That used to be, like, people used to get excited about that. And now they're like, you know, I want to do it now. <laughs> um, and that's kind of where, you know, Instagram, Facebook Live, that's that kind of stuff is, yep. has kind of taken over some of that realm. So a lot of the more creative types, you know, we used to have a lot of people that would come here and make movies and stuff mm -hmm. and have gone on to actually produce. Um, one of our old producers, he is one of the leading producers with like the Hallmark Channel now and makes, you know, those Christmas movies that you all love. And <laughs> there were two brothers, the Star Brothers, who lived down on South Quinsigman Ave. And, you know, they were legit filmmakers and got into the professional side and started making real movies and real commercials that you would see. And they had clients like... Um, what is that candle shop that's out in Western Mass? Oh, Yankee. Kringle Candle or Yankee Candle? Yankee Candle. Yeah. So like Yankee Candle was like their corporate client and they did all their commercials you'd see on TV. Mm -hmm. And um, so, there, yeah, there was this great history of just those young creative types who needed an outlet and public access was their outlet. Um, and we've had some controversial stuff over the years on public access. Um, I mentioned the Star Brothers. They did one episode that just had the phone going off the hook because uh, I, I shouldn't even say what they did. <laughs> but then one of my favorite stories I'll tell you was that um, we used to have another show here called Circus TV and it was a bunch of high school kids and they did crazy skits and stuff like that. And um, so there was this one skit where it was the end of the school year 
and they took their school books, strapped them on this kid's back with like a leather belt, lit the books on fire, and then he jumps in the pool to put it out, right? So I didn't think anything of it. And, you know, they were all underage, so their parents would have to sign releases. And this goes on the air, and I get this call from this woman, and she was so upset, and rightfully so. I don't blame her. I mean, I didn't love the fact that they did this, but it was like, well, their parents signed off on it. And what I thought was funny, she says, um, yes, I'm his mother. I signed off, but I had no idea what they did. And she's like, I just saw it on TV. And I, you know, then I started laughing, and she even came around, and we started giggling. Um, but, you know, some other towns have had some real issues with public access programming because it's your First Amendment right. We don't preview anything. You know, we ask you, is there adult content? And the only reason we're asking that is so we don't want to put it on after 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. Some towns, though, have had real issues with that. And, um, you know, luckily for us, if there was an issue that was that severe, for some reason, our producers always would be like, okay, I get it. Like, you know, and they would acquiesce and just be like, you know, put it on once at two o'clock in the morning. I get it. Mm -hmm. um, so we lucked out in that way. Like we've always had a really good relationship with the community and the volunteers yeah. here. Um, but, you know, to go back to that idea, like I say, like Coach's Corner, that has been huge. And the idea was to get the student athletes on and get them some recognition. And mm -hmm. otherwise, how are you going to know the football team, you know, or the basketball team? Um, and that has just been huge and those guys like i say they're they're retiring now but when we go to different events and ex-athletes show up it amazes me that you know some kid from 25 years ago shows up and still gives those guys hugs and thanks them for being on mm -hmm. or the fact that they can call and say like can i get a copy of that you know milford game from 1999 mm -hmm. and more than likely we still have it here mm -hmm. that's really cool yeah um miller chat robin miller she's another one i mean robin's whole idea was to in a sense give a voice to the voiceless and, you know, she's done a lot of um, issues for handicapped people and, mm -hmm. and things of that nature and um, has done a lot of good work. And she, too, I think, has announced that she's going to be stopping, too, after 25 years. Mm. So this is a this is like a big year for us coming up because it's like, you know, these people are all reaching their 25th year and kind of moving away from it. Yeah. Um, so we're going out of our way just to make sure that the community knows that, you know, it's always been volunteer driven. They're here because they want to be here. They're here because they're passionate about their cause. And this was their outlet. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, SMC has played a, you know, a really important role and the predecessor organization SPAC has played a really important role. And I think, you know, from my perspective, I look forward to finding the, the right evolution because as cable evolves and technology changes, things are going to be different and funding sources may vary, but it, it's part of the fabric of our democratic local government, in my opinion. And I, I look forward to working with you, Mark, and others on your team to uh, find the next path as, as uh, you know, we have we, we need different sources or, or different approaches to it because it's, it's, it's just so important to to me and what it is that we're trying to do and being a, a open and transparent local government, so. Yeah, and it, I think too for the residents too, we've heard a lot over the years, like people think it's taxpayer money and we always try to educate them that no, it's from the cable franchise fee. Mm -hmm. And as that starts to go away, so I think it's one of those things you don't know what you got till it's gone. Mm -hmm. And I think people in a sense take it for granted a little bit that you know government coverage will always be there and mm -hmm. that may not always be the case mm -hmm. um, so yes I appreciate you saying we have to find a you know a way to work together and mm -hmm. I, I do look forward to that conversation and I will say so I was looking up numbers earlier so on the government side like this year 
To date, we've already done 246 government programs, whether that's meeting coverage or you know a show like this or mm -hmm. Hannah Moore, Mike. I mean, sorry, Hannah Moore, mm -hmm. <laughs> Hannah Kane show, mm -hmm. Michael Moore show. Mm -hmm. um, so in total, there's already there's been over 500 pieces of content that wow. have been aired here or created here this year, and about half of them are actually government related. So it's it's a big part of our operation now. And, um, you know, it's it, we're proud of that, though. We, we love the relationship that we have with the town government. You should be proud of it. And I've learned so much today and how SMC and local government access cable in Shrewsbury has been leading the way and really is the best in, in the business. So we commend you for all that work and Thank you. continuing to uh, lead the way. Uh, and and uh, set a standard for for public access for uh, the region and the country. Yeah. So, it, can I just take a minute to talk about course. our team? Yeah, please. Because do. It, it really is a team approach. Yeah. And so I'm saying I've been here since '98. I'm actually the new guy. Okay. So Lori Bergman has been here since 1987. She's our programming coordinator. So you may not actually know her or see her that much, um, but you know, for the government meetings to get programmed and put put on the air mm -hmm. or the public stuff, Lori does that. Liz's role um, is rather undefined at times um, because she's a Jill of all trades. Mm -hmm. um, and especially now we have a much smaller staff than we used to. So we're all kind of doing other things. Mm -hmm. um, but Liz has been here since 96 mm -hmm. and her, uh, you know, her started off as the educational access coordinator. So basically running the educational channel and coordinating all that. But now we've asked her to step up and help out on all three channels. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like Liz and I like, yes, my title is executive director, but in a lot of the other centers, the executive director is really more of, you know, fundraiser community mm -hmm. kind of thing. We're all hands in, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're doing shows every day and she's in here working with the public as much as I am. Mm -hmm. I'm on the road doing sports. Like we just really love the mission mm -hmm. and do whatever it takes to make that happen. Great. And I know it takes a core of part-time folks to come in and help we always have those meetings in person. A great high school kid. So yeah. again, fortunate that we have this relationship with the high school where we ask the television program there, like, we want your best student. And every year they tell us who their best student, you know, their best senior mm -hmm. is going to be. Mm -hmm. And um, they always work for us. It's been a great relationship for two decades at least. Um, great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that takes us to the best segment, the favorite part of the show. I know you've been, been hopefully preparing for this so this is a big broad question right so what is the best cable or tv show in your opinion and you know you have to go first as the guest and yeah well taylor might go i would say, uh <laughs> planning board is my favorite no um <laughs> no it really is actually uh no um yeah, so as far as our content, I, I joke, but I do watch every government meeting there is. Mm -hmm. So I am a big fan of planning board. And I tell anyone, and I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but like the finance committee meetings that you do on the Saturday in March, mm -hmm. like the Thursday and the Saturday, I think if you had the opportunity to only watch one meeting, that's the one to watch. Mm -hmm. Like I learn more, I mean, granted, that's like hours, right? All combined, it's like 12 hours. Yeah. But um, mm -hmm. I tell everyone, if, if especially if they're running for office, like, Oh yeah. Watch that meeting. Mm -hmm. So you at least know. Um, so yes, I think that's the best thing on television is that, but <laughs> for myself, um, believe it or not, I don't watch as much TV as one might think. Um, so if I do watch something, it has to be very well written, good acting. 
I'm not a huge fan of sitcoms other than Seinfeld. Um, so for me, I would say, I don't know if you're familiar with Ricky Gervais. Mm -hmm. um, if you haven't seen Derek or Afterlife on Netflix, okay. totally check it out. Derek is completely underrated. Um, but for the most part, I love shows like The Wire, mm -hmm. The Americans, um, Mad Men. Yeah. So right now I'm on a wire kick. Okay. So I know it's 20 years old, but <laughs> I'm going to go with The Wire as being my favorite. All right, Finance so committee. What's that? <laughs> Finance committee. Finance committee. Wow. Uh, no, I do. I that is, I do go home and I watch Finance Committee though. Mm. I don't. I've taken a break from watching select board meetings for okay. a little bit since my mm -hmm. leave, but I'll probably return to that eventually. I've mm. just liked having my Tuesday nights back. <laughs> um, miss you all. Mm. <laughs> um, my favorite TV show is probably X Files. Mm. I rewatch that all the time, but like current, like Netflixy show, Haunting of Hill House is probably oh. my favorite. Yeah. Like mm. limited series that has been on, I'll rewatch that all the time. It's like a really good story, but it's like horror. So like, if it you don't is. like horror, then maybe not. Sure but the story that, is yeah. like really, really good and heartwarming. Scary. Oh. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so my, uh, I'll start with limited series. And my favorite all time, hands down, single answer is Band of Brothers. Like, that is <sighs> good one. That yep. is my favorite. Um, but I, I want to tie this back to public access somehow and, and not limited series is Saturday Night Live. So tie in Wayne's World a little bit back into <laughs> the fold. Um, so Saturday Night Live, I just love, uh, you know. Still? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm Weekend Update, you know, is the primary, yeah. you know, go to for me. Um, but I just. Yeah. I, I yep. DVR, I watch it every week. Yep. Um, I think it gets a bad rap at times because I do think there has been brilliance mm -hmm. since the 80s. Everyone goes yeah. back to the, you know, the 70s oh, and yeah. 80s. And I'm like, man, during the 90s, especially, you know, oh, yeah. the, the Will Ferrell era. era. Mm -hmm. um, but even some of the more modern stuff, I'm like, yep. that show to me still knocks it out of the park. They do. They really do. So, well, Mark, this has been a lot of fun. I yes, learned you. probably the most from this episode than I have on any town manager download. So we, we appreciate your time and being willing well, to thank you for having me. not only come on and talk with us, but to support the town manager download in, in all the ways that you do. Um, so we appreciate the conversation. Uh, just a reminder to anyone, if you have a question or a thought on an upcoming uh, idea for a show, you can reach us at tmdownload at shrewsburyma.gov. So on behalf of Taylor Galusha, I'm Kevin Mizikar. Thank you for listening.